KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, August 18th. Are COVID precautions being rolled back too soon? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County is getting nearly $14 million for mental health services. The Board of Supervisors voted this week to accept two grants. The first grant will fund the construction of a new 12-bed acute psychiatric unit in an existing nursing facility in Santee. The second grant will go towards suicide prevention programs for young people. County supervisors also voted 4-1 to one this week in favor of a resolution supporting federal legislation aimed at protecting the privacy of reproductive health data. The bill was introduced by Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs, who represents a large portion of San Diego County in the House. If passed by Congress, the bill would limit the personal reproductive and sexual health data that can be collected, used, or disclosed to only what is needed for a service. It would also allow people to hold regulated entities accountable for violations. Supervisor Joel Anderson voted against the resolution. More San Diegans may soon have to pay a monthly fee for trash pickup. That's if city voters approve the measure on the November ballot. That's according to reporting by the San Diego Union-Tribune. A report from the city's independent budget analyst found that single-family homeowners in San Diego would have to pay between $23 and $29 per month for trash service. The analysis does not account for free trash bins and more frequent pickups, so the monthly bill could be even more. San Diego is the only city in the country that provides free trash pickup to single-family homes. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The CDC has relaxed COVID guidelines. San Diego Unified isn't requiring masks at its schools, and San Diego County is now in a lower COVID risk level. Does this mean we can be less worried about COVID? Dr. Eric Topol is the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke with KPBS's Maureen Kavanaugh to discuss this and more. 
So last week, the CDC said people who've been exposed to COVID, even if they're not up to date on vaccinations, no longer need to quarantine. They should instead wear a mask and get tested. And also the six foot standard of social distancing is being dropped in most instances. Is it about time for this or do you think it's too soon? Well, it's premature, unfortunately, Maureen. I mean, I think it's good that we're seeing indicators of less spread, less cases here in San Diego, but still at a high level. And uh, it's probably some weeks away before we get through this BA5 wave by the end of August. So uh, we all want to see things relax, but to try to jump the gun is unfortunate. You know, as the new school year begins, the CDC says masks are not a requirement. It's left a lot of COVID guidance up to individual school districts. San Diego Unified is dropping its mask requirement for most schools. That has some parents nervous. What do you think? Well, I think the biggest problem we have is the lack of vaccination among children. Uh, We're at less than a third of children between 5 and 11 vaccinated uh, in children, often their SIBs below age 5 to 6 months, 4% have been vaccinated. These are atrociously, pitifully low levels of vaccination. So the problem is the vaccination can help reduce infection, but most importantly, it it prevents severe disease uh, among children. And we're right now in the country, we're in the midst of a rise of hospitalizations in children, which doesn't bode well uh, for opening schools all throughout the country. Why do you think there's been such a lag in uh, parents getting their kids vaccinated? This is really unfortunate. It's even worse than in adults. And in part, it has been the lack of support from pediatricians. Uh, It has been not going with the data, which are extraordinary. I mean, the risks, which we saw with uh, adolescents, particularly uh, boys with myocarditis, which was very rare, but we don't even see that in the younger children. So um, there's just no reason that uh, our levels are so low and our children are, it's great to see them without masks and without distancing, but the things that we can do, like vaccination, ventilation, air filtration, we're just not doing it. Now, over the past week, we've actually gotten some new research into long COVID. Do we now have a better idea of what percentage of people infected with the virus actually come down with long COVID? Right, Maureen, a very important study from the Netherlands, which is unique because in thousands of people, it captured their symptoms, their status before they got COVID, and then for many months after, along with controls. And it showed that one in eight people, 12%, developed long COVID. Now, that was, of course, before Omicron and largely people who were not vaccinated. Both of those, that is Omicron and vaccines, would reduce that number to some degree, but we have no similar study with this pre-COVID baseline status established. And even if we're talking about 6% instead of 12%, that's an enormous number of people who are having symptoms disabling in many of these folks uh, from long COVID. And we have to do much better to come up with treatments. And we know one prevention, the only prevention that's surefire, Maureen, is to not get COVID. or not get reinfected with COVID. Are we expecting a new wave in the fall? Well, I sure hope not, but it's better to plan on worst case scenario. Um, We're going to have a a, a nice respite here, most likely as we come down from this current wave. But there is a variant that's uh, starting to pick up already. It's called BA4.6. 
it shouldn't be nearly as challenging what we've just been through, but it certainly caused another increase in cases and an inability to get us to a point where we're so-called endemic, where things are really quiet. Uh, but what we may see later in the year, hopefully uh, put out as long as possible from where we are right now, is a, is a whole new variant that hasn't showed up on the radar yet. Uh, the chance for that is high because it only takes uh, a person who's immunocompromised, who has very accelerated evolution of the virus within the person, and then transmits that to others. And there's so many millions of those people around the world. That was Dr. Eric Topol with Scripps Research Translational Institute, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Maureen Kavanaugh. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department reports another inmate has died in custody. The inmate hasn't been identified yet, but it's the 16th death in county jails this year. The news comes right after action by county supervisors aimed at stopping those deaths. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says part of the plan is to hire hundreds more deputies by offering hiring incentives. Some of the incentives include a 10% raise for jail nursing staff, 5% premium pay for deputies on the night shift, and a $20,000 signing bonus for officers who transfer to the department with at least one year experience. San Diego County Sheriff Anthony Ray says bringing on experienced officers is priceless. And while that $20,000 bonus sounds high, it's actually a huge savings over hiring new recruits. So if you're putting 10 people into the academy, that would be a million dollars for every 10 folks we're trying to hire. The incentives are among a set of emergency actions taken by the board because of the recent increase in jail deaths. Ray says they're looking to hire about 300 sworn deputies and 125 medical staff. The supervisors will need to take a second vote on the incentives and other measures. If they're approved, staff will start seeing the incentives as soon as next month. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Mexican repair crews are making progress fixing two broken pipes that have spilled millions of gallons of sewage that crossed the U.S.-Mexico border and is fouling the ocean. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. August is turning into a brutal month for Imperial Beach, Coronado, and the rest of the South County shoreline. The beach closures have been devastating for our community. Imperial Beach City Council member Paloma Aguirre says water contact at the city's premier beach was off limits for the last nine weeks. A massive sewer line collapse in Tijuana is to blame. The International Boundary and Water Commission's Morgan Rogers says one pipe is almost fixed. We'll still have the discharge to the ocean, uh, but we'd rather have a discharge south of Tijuana where it has more time to dilute in the ocean before it drifts up north. The other pipe might not be repaired for another month. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Coming up, two San Diego Legends homes are on the market. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The fall semester is underway as more North County schools opened yesterday. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more from Poway Unified, the county's third largest district. There are more than 35,000 students in the Poway Unified School District. Many of them started the fall semester at least an hour later than in past years. High school and middle school students across the state are adjusting to California's new late start law. Ari Kanick is a senior at Rancho Bernardo High School. I think the late start is actually a very good idea because we have so much course load, our work, we're very pressured. Also new this year, more counselors, thanks to additional state funding for student mental health. On the Rancho Bernardo campus, the staff now includes two new psychologists and a full-time social worker. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Two San Diego legends, two masters of their craft, two Ted's, with both of their former homes for sale. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer takes a look at the very different homes of baseball great Ted Williams and La Jolla's Ted Geisel, better known by his pen name, Dr. Seuss. The late baseball Hall of Famer Ted Williams is best known for his time playing on the Boston Red Sox and as a military veteran, but all of his greatness began in San Diego, where he grew up. His childhood home in North Park is now up for sale, according to former San Diego Padres broadcaster Bob Chandler. And at one time, the Major League Padres had thought about maybe buying that house and turning it into a baseball shrine, you know, like a uh, you know, Hall of Fame and so forth. Uh, but obviously it, uh, it didn't happen. At the same time that Williams' childhood home is on the market, so is the house once owned by world-famous children's book author Ted Geisel better known as Dr. Seuss. While the baseball legend's former home is a humble one-story bungalow, Geisel's home is an expansive hilltop mansion in La Jolla. Jason Berry is part of the team selling the home. Like you look at the front door, we have the etched glass of the hat of the cat in the hat. Um, and then I was mentioning the pool in here too, you've got the bow tie of the cat in the hat. The Williams home sale is currently pending for $925,000. Meanwhile, Dr. Seuss's mansion is listed at nearly $19 million for the house and surrounding property. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Alana Quintana Albertson has written 30 novels, all in the romance and mystery genres. Her latest, Ramon and Julieta, subtitled Love and Tacos, was selected as one of NPR's best books of 2022. It will be featured at Saturday's San Diego Union Tribune Festival of Books. 
It's a Latinx spin on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, set in San Diego's Barrio Logan, with two feuding families, a taco chain, and star-crossed lovers. Alana Quintana Albertson spoke with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans about the book. Can you tell us about the decision to make this story a retelling of sorts of Shakespeare? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a former drama nerd growing up, um, I love Shakespeare, was an English major um, at Stanford. And in high school, I had this incredible Shakespeare teacher and she we just acted all these plays. And then in college, I took this amazing class with um, this professor, Larry Friedlander, who who instead of having us read Shakespeare, made us act out a play every week. And um, so I always loved Shakespeare. Um, and I think it's just a great framework for books. Um, and then to put a spin on it, I wrote it during the pandemic. And one of the things that I was working with were masks. Um, and so the couple meets on Day of the Dead and they didn't know who they were. And then I and then my thought immediately went to mask, masquerade, Romeo and Juliet. And that's how it all started. And what made you want to set the story in San Diego, particularly in Barrio Logan? So San Diego is my adopted um, new hometown. I've lived there since 2000 and I fell madly in love with it. And Barrio Logan's my favorite (laughs) place in San Diego, Uh, you know, and then learning about the history of the barrios and how the community um, came together for Chicano Park and uh, just the authentic food. But I'd been going there for years and I noticed how the location had changed and been gentrified or hentified, which, you know, it, it used to be a neighborhood where it was just more locals uh, living and working. And then, um, you know, galleries were shutting down and, and things and it was being gentrified by different developers. And so I really thought that that was an amazing way to explore culture. And also, I think I like to use setting as part of the book. And so I think my different areas of Barrio Logan, Coronado, La Jolla, um, and San Diego is just such a diverse place with all these neighborhoods. I just really thought it added richness to the book. And, and Barrio Logan, to me, contrasts just such this warm, incredible community. And because of, of Barrio Logan's history that you mentioned of fighting gentrification. This is so much more than a story about a um, mom and pop corner shop versus a major chain. Can you tell me a little bit about what's on the line for these characters? So on the surface, of course, I want this book to be just this fun romance, but all of my books are about deeper issues. And so in this book, I talked about gentrification. And so it's so much more than you know a plot device or, or anything. But what ha- happens in gentrification is the people that used to live and and grow up and work in areas, all of a sudden the neighborhood is hip and it gets developed and then they're forced out and they can't live there. And especially when you look at a place like Barrio Logan, where the community fought so hard to preserve it, was a force to live there, you know, had two freeways, you know, splitting it, you know, it, it makes it even more tragic. And it's something that goes on throughout, obviously, definitely California with rising uh, prices, but in many um, ethnic neighborhoods. And so it was just something that I really, you know, it was really dear to my heart and tragic and just try to make sense of it. And at the same time, even though, you know, Ramon comes in, he, he, and Ramon is Mexican, he doesn't really understand the implications of what he's doing to the community. So, um, but to answer the question, what's at stake is if Julieta can't work um, in her neighborhood and her neighborhood is more, I mean, her restaurant is more than a restaurant. She 
gives children free meals and it's a gathering thing. So to take them out because she's priced out, she can't afford it really kind of destroys the, the seam of the community. That was author Alana Quintana Albertson speaking with KPBS's Julia Dixon Evans. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.